How many of you agree we need one another? Just raise your hand real quick. We need each other. Yep. If you don't think you need someone else, try to do everything by yourself. I'm talking about everything. Wash your own clothes, cook your own meals, go to the store and serve yourself, be the cashier and everything. We can't do everything by ourselves. We need each other. We're continuing in our series, The Cure for the Common Trial. And that's what we want to look at this morning, relationship. We're all built for relationships. And we need one another in this thing called relationships. But we want to also define relationships and, and how we're made up, how God created us and wired us up. And He wants us to learn how we can do better when there's a relational setback. Because we're all going to go through relationship setbacks, every one of us. But relationships are a part of who we are. God made us that way. That's why when you connect with someone, you have a good friend, there's a, there's a solid connection. It fills you. When you and your spouse are doing well, oh, that fills you. When you meet someone new and, they, and you connect, that, that, there's, a, there's a relational bond that takes place. We're made for relationships. God created us that way. By the way, I do want to welcome Tim Mossholder, who's visiting us from Oregon. I'm sorry, Tim. I'm just going to welcome you this morning because uh, Tim is part of our... We can welcome him, Tim. <laughs> He's like, oh, man. But uh, Tim is part of our... It's called our ELN. It's a Emerging Leaders Network that we want to bring to this church. And it's just another way for our young adults to get connected to higher education. And uh, some of them, they have a... Many of our children have a difficult time going to school because they're deciding. Some want to jump into ministry. So Tim was here yesterday. We did a whole day seminar to see how we can start an ELN uh, here at our church. And if you want to know more about it, you can go to EmergingLeadersNetwork.com and it'll give us a little bit more a vision of what God wants to do. So we just wanted to welcome Tim all the way from Oregon. Also, I think for us, we're in this season of watching God do new things in our lives uh, one thing we've seen when you came in is our brand new white tent that uh, we it's a part of our Save to Save where we're going to build our final structure. And if you haven't gone outside, go check it out afterwards. And the reason why we're doing that is so that relationships can be built. But just to help with uh, the talk, because people are already saying, hey, what about this and that? Uh, it's not settled yet. So we're still stretching it out, letting it uh, expand. Then we're uh, stretching it some more so that it's nice and taut. And then once it's all settled, we'll anchor it down better and then make sure all the seams are, uh, are patched up so that it doesn't leak because we live in Hilo. It rains once in a while. So that's, that's what's going on with the tent. And then we're, we're going to put up a gutter system to help with the rain that comes off of the side uh, that's closer to this side. So check it out. It's nice. It's nice and cool outside, and it's huge in there. It's just beautiful. So thank you for your hearts to give towards our Save to Save as we complete it uh, in the future and, and build our structure. Right now, we have this wonderful tent, and it is beautiful. So go outside afterwards, and if you're going to eat breakfast, eat outside. We live in Hawaii. It's a beautiful place, so enjoy outside. When I was out there first service, after first service, just watching people sit and talk, I thought, this is what we're meant to do. We're created to build relationships. In our families, we go through relational trials. We go through setbacks. In our marriages, we go through trials and setbacks. We, we go through these things because relationships are alive. It's not something that's dead or static or, or as, as it's... 
It's not something that just stays the same. Once it stays the same, that's where it begins to die. Relationships change along the way. Sometimes through a relational setback, we become angry or sad or frustrated. Uh, We have bitterness or resentment that stirs up inside because relationships go through setbacks. But then I thought, wait a minute, what if in the relationship there was one perfect person in the relationship? What if in our relationship, let's just say between husband and wife, there was one perfect person in the relationship? I know you're thinking it's you, but think, what if the other person was perfect? What if the other other person was perfect? Would that change the dynamic of the relationship? It could. It could. But would it make the relationship perfect? No, it wouldn't. Because there's still an imperfect person in the relationship. And I know what you're thinking right now. That's all I need to hear, Pastor. We're gone. We're going to leave. That's all I needed to hear because that's all my wife needed to hear. That's all my husband needed to hear. But did you know that there was a relationship here on earth that someone was perfect? And that's Jesus Christ. And he was perfect. But even Jesus Christ dealt with relationship setbacks. One that we're going to look at today is a man by the name of Judas Iscariot. Now, in your minds, you're already playing the music, dun-dun-dun, because you may know a little bit about the history of Judas. Judas was someone who came into the discipleship group of Jesus Christ, one of the twelve that was chosen by Jesus Christ, that Jesus would pour into, and in turn, the disciples would carry on the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. So Judas came in, and everything started started off great. When you came in, you were given a bulletin, and there's some notes that you can take down and follow along, and it'll help you with, with tracking along with us. Let's look at the life of Judas and Jesus for a little bit. Judas comes into the life of Jesus Christ, and like any relationship, it starts off well. Jesus calls Judas to be a part of his ministry. Judas jumps in. Jesus, because of his ministry, starts to... Uh, accumulate some funds people were giving to him. So he actually puts Judas in charge of the treasure box. He became the treasurer. So Judas was keeping the finances and taking care of the books and things like that. Well, Jesus lets him take charge of that. As time goes on, Judas's heart begins to change. And after a while, it, it changes to the point of he doesn't see Jesus how he wanted Jesus to be. He had an expectation of Jesus, and after a while, his heart starts to turn, and the relationship starts to change between Jesus and Judas. Well, Judas, after a while, allows the devil to enter his heart and and start to change the way he thinks. And so now Judas, instead of supporting Christ, starts to think of a way to betray Christ to the religious leaders. Well, it comes to a place in Judas's life where the religious leaders, wanting to put Jesus to death, pays Judas 30 pieces of silver. Judas takes the bribe, betrays Christ to the Jewish, to the leaders, the religious leaders, hands Christ over, Christ is crucified. Judas feels 
such remorse that he goes back to the chief priests, gives them back the 30 pieces of silver, and says, I don't want to have anything to do with this. And they say, what is that to us? That's on you. And so now Judas is carrying this burden, and it's too much for him to bear, and he goes out and hangs himself. But the relationship didn't start off that way. It started off good. Christ poured into him, invested in him, showed Judas who he could be. Judas changed along the way, and then it ends in bitter fashion for Judas. How do we learn from this? How can we learn from this relationship with Jesus and Judas? Because we're all going to go through some kind of disappointment in our relationships. Relationships change. We go through all kinds of setbacks. See, even though we may think we're the ones that are good in this relationship, here's how the Bible puts it in Psalm 53, verses 2 and 3. It says that God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there, is, if there are any who understand, who seek God. And it says, every one of them has turned aside. They have together become corrupt. And let's read this part together, okay? Ready? Go. There is none who does good, no, not one. It's kind of like when we were kids growing up. There's four of us in my home. My oldest brother, Nathaniel, is six years older than me. My sister, April, is one year older than me. And my brother, Daron, is six years younger than me. So my sister and I are kind of like in the middle. And we would fight from time to time, which siblings do. And my mom would come into the room, and we were just going at it, screaming at each other, yelling at each other, all four kids tackling each other. My mom would break us up and say that ever so popular phrase, What happened? Well, she was kicking me. I didn't kick you. You ran across me. I didn't run across you. No, mom, he didn't push her. And this. I didn't push her. You was making faces at me. And no one's right. Everyone is in it for themselves. No one's really going to tell the truth. No child is going to say, mom, it was my fault. It was my fault, mom. All I did is I walked up to her, slapped her in the face because I wanted to. That's what I did. You're not, your child is not going to say that. Now, if they do, wow, God bless you. You have an honest child, but watch that one. <laughs> There's no one that's good. Even with our children, we know what happens, but... There's nothing good inside of us. We can only be good because God is good. And when God dwells in us, then good comes out. No one is good. When Jesus was with Judas, Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him. But he still loved Judas and gave him an opportunity. He gave Judas opportunity after opportunity to get better and better and better. There's going to be setbacks in our relationships because no one is good. No, not one. And we can make the most out of our relationships by understanding some key elements when it comes to relationships. Relationships change. Relationships go through ups and downs, highs and lows. But God created us for relationships. The Bible says He created us in His image. God is all about relationships. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's a relational thing. And so he created us, ingrained in us what's in him, which is this thing called relationships. We're to relate to one another. When God created man, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. 
And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create for you another human being that you can relate to. Because relationships are ingrained in us. You can write that in number one if you're taking notes. This is something that we can learn from. It's to learn that relationships are ingrained in us. That's why it's emotional. That's why relationships go through emotions. That's why we go through our different mood swings. Because relationships are ingrained in us. You need emotion in relationships. Have you ever been around someone who just have no emotions? They just say, yeah, hey, how you doing? Good. Yeah, everything's good. So, what you doing today? I'm oh, not doing nothing. What about you? i just going to do whatever I like. Okay, i see you guys later. Bye. Put you to sleep. If there's no emotion in relationship, it's just dull. But, on the other hand, it can get very emotional. And we don't want to go on the extreme, but we, we got to understand that in relationships, there's going to be emotions. There's going to be things that we go through that's going to cause us to be emotional. Loss of a job, a loved one. Something's happening with our children, our parents. We're going to go through that. But we go through that together. See, relationships are deeply ingrained in us. That's why when days are going well, we love those days. We love the days when we get up, we have a family day, we plan things, or, or you, you're just about to go to work, and everything is wonderful at the beginning of the day, and 10 minutes later, something happens. You think to yourself, man, I wanted a great day. We set our kids up, we get everything ready, and we say, okay, we're going to go to the beach today. It's going to be beautiful. God gave us wonderful sunshine. The main thing, guys, the main thing today, no yelling, no fighting, share, share everything. We're going to have a beautiful day. But 10, 15 minutes later, we're fighting because there's no ice in the cooler. Someone took my slipper. The dog sat on top of my slipper, and now the slipper's dirty. We, we grumble about things that are so minute. And our whole day is gone because there's emotions attached to relationships. It's not good for us to be alone, God says. In fact, in Genesis 2.18, the Lord spoke this after he created man. And he said, it is not good that man should be alone. And that word alone really means by itself or secluded, in seclusion. What does it mean to be alone? Because there are studies that says that it is good for us to spend some alone time. It is good for us to be secluded from time to time. But that's only a result of being around people. It is said that life, work, and ministry would be so easy if there, if there were no people. It would be so easy. So easy to raise a family without children. It would be so easy. It's not good for us to be alone, secluded, but we, we take time out to rest. So that's not what God is saying. He's not saying that, oh, you should never be alone. He's saying for us to just isolate ourselves away from everyone else and just stay in this little hermit shell, saying that's not good. You gotta, you gotta be around people because you're built for relationships. You're built to be with other people. And when we don't understand that, that the relationships are in, it's ingrained in us, then we'll, we'll come across some problems because we think when we get married, things are going to stay the same. You think when you get married, I'm, I'm still a single person. No, you're not. The two have now become one. 
You know, people will say, you know, when we get married, oh, you're hooking up to the ball and chain. Eh? Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't know if you should do this. You get a chance to run. You know, you can run. You get a chance. She's late. You can get out of here. Maybe that's God telling you. You still get time. And then his wife calls him over. Oh, I'm coming, honey. Our relationships are different the moment we get married. It's different. It changes. Our relationships change when we, when we find friendships. It changes. Our relationships change when our children grow up. It changes. It's ingrained in us. God created us in His image. Here's the paradox. Here's what we're going to battle with. You may like being alone. You may like and love being alone, but that's only because there's people around you that you love being alone from time to time. But you might have to put this to some deep thought. If there were no people around you, you wouldn't want to be alone. We need each other. We were built for relationships. It's ingrained in us. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you a little illustration, and here's where we might have to watch our sound because it can get pretty loud. I want you to... to um, let me know what movie this is, okay? Ready? You might have to turn me down. Ah! Very easy. Very easy. If you didn't watch it, it's called Home Alone. This kid gets left behind by his parents by mistake because of the, the busyness. And he's home alone. Now, in the beginning, he loved it. He's jumping on the bed. He's eating popcorn, eating snacks and all the junks, watching movies. He loves it. But after a while, he hates being alone. Outside of the box office, outside of Hollywood, off of the big screen, the actor, Macaulay Culkin, and some of you have seen his career, and he went through all kinds of things, drug abuse and his parents splitting up. But at age 13, he was worth $30 million. Age 13. I wasn't even worth $30 at age 13. I didn't have money. $30 million. His, he had to put the money in a trust until he turned 18. He didn't even know how much money he had, but his parents did. They controlled 20% of it. He controlled 80. But his parents started to fight over custody over him for whatever reason. As time went on, his parents split up, and he grew up. Macaulay Culkin grew up. In an interview with Larry King, Larry King is asking him some questions about what was happening in his family at that time. And he said this, so what about your father? Do you get to see your father? And he says, no, I, I, didn't, I don't get to see my father. He said, you know, how long haven't you seen your father? And he said, oh, for years. And he said, don't you miss him? Don't you want to see him? And he said this, he said, I have no desire to see my father. It didn't start off that way. It ended up that way. Relationships change. Here's where it's tough. In relationships are ingrained in us. And relationships change. This will stay here because it's ingrained in us. But relationships change. In fact, you can write that in number two. Something that we can learn is that relationships change. When relationships change, we must find ways to adapt to them. 
we can't stay the same while our relationship change. Our, our relationships change. We can't stay the same. We must adapt with it. Our children will grow up to be teenagers. They're going to hit 12, 13, 14 years old. They're not six anymore. Now, you may feel like, oh, my daughter, my son, they act like they're 18 already. That's because they're more than halfway there. They're changing. We must adapt. I know, parents, I know, not my baby. My baby is growing up. No, you're going to stay too. I like you because you're so cute. Mom, leave me alone. But we change, we adapt. Now, I know moms, dads, no matter how old your kids become, they are always your baby and you can always give them lickings. I understand that. But we must be able to adapt, must be able to change with them. They grow into teenagers. They become young adults. They grow up. One of the most difficult things for us as parents in the relationship with our children is as they grow up and become an adult is to release. Let me give you a little hint because I have a 20, he's going to be 24 years old in May, my oldest son, and then my youngest is going to be 18 this year. One thing I found that is really helpful is you start a release slowly by the time they become teenagers. Hold on, teenagers. Hold on before we continue. It's not a total release. It's certain releases. For instance, they can start doing their own laundry. Right, parents? Unless they don't know how, then they need to learn. Because as they grow up, they're going to have to learn it from somewhere. They can start washing their own dishes. They can start putting away... Some of you are thinking, well, I try to have my husband do those things, much less my children. I think we're all learning these things. But there, there has to be a release somewhere. That there's a slow release over a long period of time. Because by the time they become adults, if you try to release all one time, it's going to rip your heart out. And it'll be the most difficult season of your life. But they grow up, they become young adults. Some of our children, they're going to go off to college. Oh boy, that's a hard thing to deal with. But it's a change. we got to adapt. Don't wait for that day. Begin slowly. Just begin. Appreciate the moments you have together. They become young adults. Maybe they get married and they have a family of their own. Listen, you will always be family with your children. Once they get married, they begin their own family. You're always going to be family up here, mom and dad with your children. When they have their family, they develop their own family. It's great to get advice from parents, but parents, our children, they're going to figure some stuff out that we can't teach them. It's ingrained in them because we taught them as they grew up. But they're going to figure some stuff out. It's hard for us because sometimes it affects us. It affects the grandchildren. But we got to learn how we can adapt to this. Relationships change. It's a difficult thing. Sometimes they'll go through their own setbacks. They'll go through a separation or a divorce. Or, or they'll go through uh, things with their children. And we're trying to figure this stuff out too. Relationships change. we got to learn to adapt with it. Some of you are single right now and you're saying, boy, I just got out of a relationship. I don't ever want to get into another relationship forever in my history of my entire life of my being. No. I'd say this, focus on your relationship with the Lord. I think we all need to focus on that relationship. But as a single person, that's the best relationship to focus on. Because God in His sovereign, in, in, His, in, His, in all His powerful glory... His providence. If there's a relationship up ahead, you want Him to find the right person. 
Our eyes cannot find the right person because we look on the outside. God looks on the inside. God's going to find someone perfect for you. You seek Him first, kingdom of God, everything else will be added. Some of us will change in our relationship because someone moves away. And so that changes. Some of you are looking forward to being an empty nester. Heidi and I are going to be an empty nester this year. And yes, we look forward to that, but it's an adjustment that we need to make with our children. It's a different season. Some of you, you're saying, yeah, I'm trying to release my, my kid. He's 30 years old and he's still living with us. I'm trying to release him, but what if they don't want to go? What do you do then? Do I move out? Well, I know there's a lot of reasons why that is taking place. So that's something you guys got to really adjust to and kind of think through and figure out. Uh, so uh, put that in the hands of God. He'll, he'll find a way. Now, don't just pack up and leave and write a note and say, son, daughter, we're gone. You know, just talk about it. Think some things through because it'll help in the relationship. Relationships change. The life cycles that we go through. We change. We go through different stages of life. We've got to adjust to them. Judas wasn't willing to make those adjustments. He stayed the same. He kept the expectation of Jesus being an, earth, an earthly king. He had expectations. And when his expectations weren't met, he said, I'm, I'm out of here. I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with this. I'll take the bribe. I'll betray him. But after that, oh boy, he felt remorseful. Sometimes we make permanent decisions based on these emotions that are temporary. God says, hang on, trust in me. Work this through because relationships change. I'm changing you too. You've got to adapt to this relational change. When Judas and Jesus and Mary and Martha and Lazarus, who Christ raised from the grave, were eating dinner. And I'm sure some of the disciples were there too, the other disciples. Mary anoints Jesus' feet with oil, pours this expensive perfume, oil, on his feet, wipes his feet with her hair. Judas makes a remark, kind of leans over to one of the disciples and says, you know, that expensive perfume could have been sold and the money could have been given to the poor. We could have done something worthy, worthy with it. Well, Jesus catches that and he addresses Judas and he says, You know, Judas, let her be. She did this in preparation for my burial. And by the way, Judas, you will always have the poor among you. Jesus corrected the heart, not the act. Sometimes in a relationship, we try to correct the act, not deal with our heart. And that act keeps coming up over and over. Same thing over and over. But Jesus did it well. He corrects the heart, not the act. Because when you correct the heart, the actions will follow the heart. And when the heart is in line with God, then you see the actions follow suit. Don't become like the other person. Become like Jesus. See, Jesus knew that these expectations were on him. But he didn't change. He corrected the heart, addressed some things with Judas, Judas, and gave him an opportunity, even at that point, to make some adjustments. The Bible says in John 12, 6, that Jesus had said this, not that Judas is speaking to, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Judas was a thief. And had... 
and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Interesting. In the beginning, Judas said, yeah, absolutely, I'll serve you. After a while, Judas comes to a place that he's so comfortable with Jesus, he feels entitled. Yeah, I can do whatever I want. I can, I can take here and there. Well, I'm, I'm serving him. I'm serving him. I'm sure he wouldn't mind. I can take, take, take. After a while, what was exterior in the taking becomes interior and changes the heart. And Jesus said, no, I'm correcting something that's now broken. It's on the inside. Some of us feel like in our relationships, all they do is take, and it's draining you. Again, don't become like them. Become like Jesus. We, as people, we would say, okay, you want to do that to me? I'll do the same thing. You want to treat me that way? I'm going to treat you that way. You want to do this behind my back? I'm going to do this behind your back. Okay, you want to act like that? I'm going to act like this. We're different as believers. We're different. We're created in the image of God. And he says, this is who I'm making you to be. Be like Jesus. Don't be like someone else in their setbacks. Don't go for revenge. Don't look for, don't look for how I can get back at them. Be like Jesus. Most of the times, the reason why we feel let down is we put such high expectations on the other person. Anytime you put a high expectation on someone today, you will be let down tomorrow. Because they can't meet our expectations. We all have high expectations on people. But instead of putting it on them, just come back to the heart and say, Lord, what are you expecting of me? And change me. Because if it's true that relationships change, and we know it does, then I want to change too. So that the relationships can thrive. I want to do better in my relationships Hebrews 13, 8 says this, and I love this. This is our four square, our denomination scripture, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. People will change, Jesus doesn't. I love that. Because we have a solid foundation in which to model our lives after. See, with Judas, Jesus could make the best of a mistake and the most of what is good. He could still do that with Judas. We're going to change. Jesus doesn't. He can even turn our mistakes into something beautiful and good. And if He can do that in us, He can do that in all our relationships. Relationships change. If you look at our relationships, it's not the easiest thing to do. Relationships take work. You can write that in your third point. It takes a lot of work. If you want your relationship to thrive, you got to work hard at it. No relationship is successful by being mediocre in it. No relationship is successful when two people come together as single people and then become married and stay in the single-minded mentality. It doesn't work. The two become one. Not the two stay two. You can't, you can't do that in a relational, in a marriage. Because the Bible says when the man and woman come to, a man and woman comes together, they become one. You can't stay in the single-minded kind of mentality. If you're now married and you're saying, I'm still going to do the same things, you're wrong. 
Go ask someone who's been married for 50 years. They're going to tell you some failures. They're going to tell you some great times. But I tell you this, if you've been married that long, there's been some battles that you've been able to become victorious in. And usually the battles you used to go through are so minor compared to where you are in your marriage today. Maybe you're married, you've been married 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. The small things that used to bother you, not so much of a big idea, a big deal anymore. But for every single one of us, we've got to remember that relationships take, it takes work. It's not going to come easy. It takes a lot of work. And it's all those small little things that we got to do that is usually most of the work. You'll notice that even in your relationship, in your marriage, in your family, even in your friendships, even at work, you're going to find that it, it takes a lot of work to make the friendships work out. You know, you'll go to work, hey, somebody ate my lunch. Oh, I never knew that was yours. My name was on it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and now you got to make relationships work again. Or you just separate it. It, it, it. There's a, a conflict at work. Even at home. Honey, you didn't change the toilet paper again. Oh, I forgot. Next time, change it. Okay, then you change it. Honey, I wanted it to go over, not under. Well, my, not, I didn't know. Well, you should know by now. We've been married for 15 years. Here's a resolve. Put two. Make one over, one under. You'll solve everything right there. <laughs> You'll be fine. You left the toilet seat up again. Sorry. Yeah, next time, put it down. I fell in. Okay, my bad. Conflicts. I know some of your biggest pet peeves is when, when someone uses all the shampoo and they leave the empty container in the, in the bathtub. And you say, why are you leaving that in there? Because still get. I put water inside and shake them and I put, get suds. I'm using them all. We got a budget. Yeah, the suds in your hair, that's not suds anymore. That's oil from your scalp. That's no more soap in there. All those little things makes a difference. See, relationships are, there's, everyone has their own unique way of living. Everyone has their unique way of growing up. You put two together, three, friends, family, you put a family together, it can be cause for disaster or it can be something wonderful. And because God is the author of relationships, he's the author of family, when we seek him out and we ask him for the advice and how to run this family, to run relationships, then he makes it work out well. As he says in Romans 12, 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all you can, not them, do all you can to live in peace with everyone. What about when they make mistakes? What about when they, when they say things and they make mistakes? Then I'm supposed to be at peace with them? No. As much, as much as it depends on you, you be at peace with them. You do your part. We can't change people. But we do our part. Okay, what about, what about when they've blown it? Are we supposed to be at peace with them? Yes. Okay, what about, what about when... When it's their fault, am I supposed to be at peace with them? Yep. What if it's both of our faults? Yep. As long as it depends on you, be at peace with them. Why? Because it affects you regardless if they're right or wrong. 
listen, even when we're right and the other person says, oh yeah, you're right, we still are upset and we still talk. So you're saying I was right, right? Yes, you're right. See? Next time, listen. That's all you got to do, honey. That's all you got to do is just listen. Because if I'm right and you're wrong, I just say, most of the time you are, you should just listen. Even at that moment, even if you're right, you're still going to have that conflict. So the Bible says, as, if, as far as it depends on you, be at peace. Be at peace. Jesus was right in his relationship with Judas. He did everything possible to be at peace with Judas. At the Last Supper, Jesus even said it out loud. He said, one of you will betray me. And all the disciples were saying, what do you mean? Well, well it's not going to be me. It's not, I know it's not going to be Are you going to betray him? Because that's, a, that's kind of a harsh thing. And they said, who, who's going to betray you? And he said, and if you read the scriptures, the one who dips the bread with me. And it was Judas. And it was at that moment that Judas got up and Jesus said, whatever you do, do it quickly. And the disciples thought, oh, Judas is going to take care of the finances. That's what it looks like because Jesus tells him to make sure you take care of the finances. So he left. They didn't know what Jesus was talking about, but Jesus and Judas knew. One thing Jesus was letting Judas know at that instance was Judas... I know what you're going to do, but I still love you. So whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. Another thing he was addressing when he told Judas that is he was letting Judas know, I'm ready. Whatever you're going to do, I'm ready. Jesus always goes back to the heart of things. He always corrects the heart. Jesus is showing us if he can endure this relationship with Judas, knowing that Judas was going to betray him, then there's nothing that separates us from our relationship with Christ. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. Boy, I did this, I did that. Oh, man, I'm a terrible person in this. Jesus still loves you. He showed that at the cross. He showed it in live action with Judas. See, it's Jesus who is the perfect one, not us. In Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24, it says, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. But here's the crucial part. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, take care of the relationships, yes. But the best relationship you always must come back to is your relationship with God. That is the most important relationship. Yeah, but i, I got to focus on my family. Everything's going bad. Get back to God and ask God for help. Go back to Him. Even in the turmoil of things, even in the midst of the fight, even when things aren't going well. We've done this before, Heidi and I, when things aren't going well and we're just grumbling and fighting. Oh boy, someone, just be bold enough to say, Lord, I welcome you into this conversation right now. I ask for you to be here. I tell you, it changes everything. It changes everything. And there's going to be times where you're going to say, I don't want you to come in here. No, I'm mad right now. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to pray. Honey, let's pray. I don't want to pray. You pray. Then let them pray. As far as it depends on you, 
you be at peace. You make it right, and you come back to God. You say, God, here's where I'm at. You know everything, but I'm doing what you've asked me to do. Because I know in my relationships, there's going to be setbacks, but I'm trying to minimize them so that I can continue on with the life you promised me. We're going to have those setbacks. Sometimes we remember people more than God. It's good to remember people. Don't forget about God. Go back to Him. Best one to work on is your relationship with Jesus Christ. For some of us today, some of you, you may not have made a public declaration of your belief in Jesus Christ. You've said it in your heart. You've asked Him to forgive you of your sins, and you've asked Him to come into your life. But today, we have water baptism. And maybe God is speaking to you and saying, this is your next step with me. This is your next step in putting me first in your relationship is water baptism. You can register outside in our courtyard. And then we're going to meet down there at 1.30 and be baptized. But that's another step. Don't miss that opportunity. Jesus, that relationship with Jesus Christ, He is the cure for the common trial. He's the one to help us through relationship setbacks. He's seen it all. There's nothing you and I will bring to him that he'll be surprised by. In fact, he, he already has the answers for it. It's us coming to him whenever we have a setback. You can close your Bibles and we're going to close in prayer together. I want to read you this story. <clears throat> Some of us may have seen this. Some of you uh, may have seen uh, the movie. And this year was commemorating the 100th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. And James Cameron made a movie. And there are other movies. But this has been by far, due, uh, as far as awards go, uh, the most awarded movie of its time. And especially of the Titanic. Well, James Cameron, the director... He went into the Western Pacific Ocean and did a deep sea dive in a submarine. He went down about seven miles. And the place that he went to in the Western Pacific Ocean, in this little cavern, is about 120 times bigger than the Grand Canyon. Over 3,280 feet higher or deeper than how high Mount Everest is. So you have Mount Everest attached 3,280 feet. That's how deep he was. While he's under there, he says this, My feeling was one of complete isolation from all of humanity. There had to be a moment where I just stopped and took it in and said, This is where I am. I'm at the bottom of the ocean, the deepest place on earth. What does it mean? I just sat there looking out the window, looking at this barren, desolated lunar plain, appreciating. It's really the sense of isolation more than anything, realizing how tiny you are down in this big, vast, black, unknown, and unexplored place. Well, I'd hope to see a strange, deep sea monster like a creature that would excite me as a storyteller and maybe seem like it came out of one of my movies. But I didn't. I did, however, and he says this, realize that with that much water above me, how alone I really was. 
We're not made to be alone. We're made for relationships. We all have relationship setbacks. Jesus understands them all. That's why he came. That's why he came to set us free. So that in our families, in our marriages, in our homes, work, wherever we may go, he can help us through every single relational setback, especially the trials that we go through. Because there is no one that is good. No, not one. But God is good. Amen. Would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that you are good. That you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We change. We go through different seasons of life. Our family goes, they go through different seasons of life. Our co-workers, our friends, we all go through different seasons of life. But Lord, the fact that you never change helps us to be more like you rather than you becoming like us. So change us, Lord. Help us in our relationships. Help us to get on track. We pray for our family members, our children, our loved ones, our co-workers, our family members, our, our friends. We pray that that we'll do everything possible to make things work as far as it depends on us. And when things don't work out according to our plan, we leave it in your hands. We ask for you to take care of these things. We trust you, Lord. We thank you for being the God of relationships. In your precious name we pray. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Okay.